remember the hardest thing Father God has ever done or ever will do was turn His back on Jesus. When Jesus hung on that cross, He became your sin, He became my sin. And when He became your sin and He became my sin, His sin separated Him from His Father, and Father turned His back on Him. And that's the hardest thing Father God's ever done. He's created universe, he's created universe right? I mean, but the hardest thing He ever did was turn His back on His Son. And the Lord was speaking this to me, and I'm not an audible voice, but just that inward voice of the Spirit. And he told me, he said, it was the hardest thing he ever did, but he did it knowing, listen very carefully, he did it knowing that if he turned his back on his son Jesus that day, he would never have to turn his back on one of his children ever again. So even, even when we mess up and, and, and commit sin and do wrong, Father doesn't turn his back on you because of what Jesus has done for you and as you and as your substitute. So praise be to God for his goodness, his love, and his mercy. Um, a couple of things. Um, discipleship class is going to start three weeks from tonight. And we'll talk a little more about that as the, as the time approaches. I've had some people ask me about that. So three weeks from tonight, discipleship class. This will be our 20th year. Um, we've, we've done the class. Last year was our 19th year, so our 20th anniversary year. We're excited about, about that. I, I remember after we did it the first time, some folks asked me if we were going to do it again. And I'm like, again really I mean do you think some people would come they're like I'd come again I went well sure we'll do it again (laughs) yeah again I'm not proud of that but I didn't have the long-term vision for it that the Lord had uh, for it obviously and so um, got some folks in Africa uh, stirred up about it over there Pastor Cornelius and some of those folks we had I forget exactly maybe five or seven folks that graduated last year um, over in Kenya Uh, internet's an amazing thing and so we are, uh, we're thankful for it, praise God. We've got a baby shower for um, Mark and, uh, John Mark and Gina Winslet, little Elsie Caroline Winslet, going to be here end of September, 1st of October. And so that's on August the 13th. That's a Sunday from 2 to 4. And so that's going to be um, a good time, praise God. All right, <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, let's begin tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Continue to talk about fellowship with God fellowship with God and and what that looks like, what that means, how Satan has tried to um, hoodwink so many in the body of Christ with with an alternative, with a a cheap imitation, a cheap substitute. Uh, Many people in the body of Christ believe a personal relationship with God is somehow the gold standard of Christianity when there's not even any such thing as that. Amen. Um, it's fellowship with God, and there's a big, big difference, and we'll get into some of those differences tonight. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, if you don't have it marked in your Bible, if you, if you don't recall or remember this verse, I want to encourage you to become very familiar with it. It says, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. When we talk about the faithfulness of God, and we see even in, in, in the Scriptures where even if we're not faithful, God remains faithful. He, he honors His Word. His Word is forever established in heaven, and He wants His Word to be forever established in your heart. But when He begins with God is faithful, I mean, obviously we could preach a whole series of sermons on the faithfulness of God. But what you have to understand here is when he's saying God is faithful, he's saying that, that God is doing this. God is performing this. God 
has made this available. God has made this possible. This is, this is the plan of God. This is something that God had in mind before he ever created Adam and Eve. It was a part of his plan and, and part of his purpose and part of his intentions for, for you and for me. And, and it's his faithfulness that has seen this through to completion and that has given us this divine calling into the same fellowship with God the Father that Jesus enjoys and experiences tonight. Now, <clears throat> at camp, and um, that's, of course, where I was and a lot of our young adults uh, and others last week. Um, but last week at camp, we talked about some different things. They were obviously all related. But one of our themes for the week was things that God wants from us and things that God wants for us. Okay? God wants more from you because he wants more for you. I'm going to say that a few more times, okay? Matter of fact, I would encourage you to, to kind of, matter of fact, just, you can we'll go back to camp for a minute, okay? Say this after me. God wants more for me. I didn't say it right. Let's start over, okay? God, well, he does want more for you, right? But let's start over. God wants more from me. Because God wants more for me. So many times, you know, people get so caught up in what God wants from them without any connection or understanding of what it is that God wants for them. So God wants more from you because he wants more for you. So obviously from there, and um, one of the uh, things that we did is we divided into into groups, and I had the young adults make a list of all the things that they could come up with that God wants for them. And obviously, God wants good things for us. Amen. Amen. Think about somebody you love, somebody that you really, really do care for and love in your heart. What are some of the things that you want for them? Obviously, you want them to be healthy. You want them to prosper. You want them to be at peace and to have the joy of the Lord and, and, and the contentment in, in their lives. You want them to be free from uh, dominant negative emotions, things like, you know, depression, anxiety. So, it's, you know, and, and then, you know, you can even break it down to very practical things. Um, God wants a good spouse for you. Um, he, he wants you to have good people in your life to, to you know, surround you with with people of substance and like-mindedness and like precious faith and it's just all these things that God wants for us but so many times and it's you know brother Donald said something on Sunday I think he put it on Facebook you know everything that that God and if I butcher the quote brother you can holler it out but basically everything that God wants to do in your life begins with you opening a door for him right I mean he's not just going to kick in the front door of your life and, and start throwing bad things out and forcing good things down your throat. So we, we have to, to open up our hearts. We have to open up a door for him uh, to come through and to, and to work in. And so he wants more from you because he wants more for you. There's a lot of reasons why God has said in his word to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. There's a lot of people that are starting to view church attendance is optional and it's something that God has commanded in his word this is something that that he desires from us but it's not just so that he can boss you around 
It's because the fellowship that we experience and enjoy uh, amongst ourselves is one of the key ways that God is able to pour and, and, and bring good things and precious things into our lives. One of the things that God wants from His children is He wants service from us. God has, God has called us to serve. And of course, we, we love that verse where Joshua drew the line in the sand, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But, you know, for a lot of people in the body of Christ today, serving God simply means coming to church. But coming to church is not you serving, it's about you being served, right? <laughs> Amen. And so, you know, ask yourself a question. What are you doing to serve the Lord? These are important things, and these are things that God wants from you. But why does He want that from you? He wants that from you because He wants more for you. And we see that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And He has more than a hundred-year plan for your life. And the Bible says that He is coming and His reward is with Him. Now, your right standing with God is not based upon what you do for God. It's based upon what God's done for you. But what you will one day receive from Him by way of reward is absolutely determined by what you do for Him. Amen. So He wants more from you, again, because He wants more for you. But I believe that both of these questions, what does God want from me? And what does God want for me? I'm not trying to oversimplify this. The more I've prayed about this, the more I've meditated on this, I honestly believe after serving the Lord for a lot of years and learning a lot about Him and continuing, i still got a long way to go and a lot to learn. But I believe these two questions, what does God want from you? And what does God want for you? I believe they can be answered, both questions answered with one word, and that word is fellowship. More than anything else, there's a lot of things that Father God wants from you and there's a lot of things that he wants for you but nothing that he wants from you more than fellowship with him and nothing that he wants for you more than fellowship with him because everything that father god again desires to do in you and for you and with you and through you goes back to your fellowship with him matter of fact i'm gonna i'm gonna be bold here if if i could um, God is not interested in people who serve Him apart from or outside of the context of fellowship with Him. He's not interested in people who just simply obey Him for what good or benefit they might receive from that obedience. In other words, everything that God wants from you, you have to understand it within the context of fellowship. Amen? In other words, we're not serving God to be accepted by God. We're not doing things for God so God will love us. We're doing things for God because He does love us. We're doing things for God because He does accept us. There's a huge difference between doing things and serving God to be loved versus doing things and serving God because you are loved. So when it, when it comes to all the things that God wants from you and then all the things that God wants for you, we have to understand those things from the perspective and within the context of fellowship. Amen. This is why we see things in the scripture like if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Not just if you're obedient, you'll be blessed and have the best, but if you're willing and obedient. Because see, willingness goes to the attitude of the heart. Willingness goes to I heard Brother Keith Moore say it this way, and it's pretty simple, but it's very profound. God wants you to want to. 
He doesn't just want you to do it. He wants you to want to do it. Well, what is it that makes us want to do it? Fellowship. 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 Think about somebody asking you to do something, a stranger asking you to do something for them that you don't really enjoy doing versus somebody you really love asking you to do the same thing. See, there's so much more joy in doing it for someone that you're in fellowship with than so... Did I, are you still with me tonight? Are y'all awake? Are you hear what I'm saying? This is really important, okay? So it's within the context then of fellowship. Amen. See, Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. Now He's the firstborn among many brethren. And no one's ever humbled themselves the way Jesus humbled Himself. And no one's ever served God the Father the way Jesus served God the Father. But He didn't serve Him as a slave. He served Him as a son who chose to serve. He did, it, Jesus didn't have a poor self-image. He knew exactly who he was. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he's, he's like, take nothing away from being equal with God. But he chose as one knowing who he was to make himself of no reputation, Philippians 2. So it's very important that we understand we are sons of God in right standing with God, loved by God the Father with the same love that He loves Jesus with, which now puts you and me in a position to choose to serve as sons and daughters, as opposed to what we see in Luke 15, where the younger brother, also known as the prodigal son, he returns home. His father hugs him and restores him and and just throws a party for him to celebrate But this younger brother, this younger son, he refused to be who his father said he was. But what did he want to do? He wanted to be like a servant so that he could earn his way back into his father's right standing as opposed to just simply receiving the goodness of God. So why would this father be so excited about this young man coming home? It's because he loved him. He missed him. He wanted fellowship with him. He, he enjoyed his company. Sometimes I think we, we try to read so much into, and there, are, there is, the, you know, symbolism. There are things in there for us to, you know, dig out and learn from and experience. But let's don't go for the deep stuff and miss the, the, the low-hanging fruit. The father in this story is our heavenly father. And he celebrates like there's no tomorrow when one of his lost children come home to him. Amen. Now, I know there are some in the body of Christ today that say God doesn't care what you do. Grace covers it all. Go live however you want to live. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Matter of fact, I'm encouraging you. If you're not serving God, you need to find a place to get plugged in and serve. If you're interested in serving here, come see me. We, we, we need some help. Amen. Always room to help. And I, you know, one of the great joys for, for me is when we have like a, a, a fellowship dinner or something like that and everybody pitches in, helps clean up, set up the chair. Again, it, it's serving, right? It's, it's, it's what we do. So what does God want from you? Well, he wants a lot of things from you, but more than anything, he wants fellowship from you. And if, if you, you say, reckon God wants us to pray. He tells us in his word to pray. But do you realize how many people spend time every day in prayer but never spend time in fellowship? Does God, does God want prayer time from you and prayer time? Yes. But it, he wants it to be something that you and him do together. 
as opposed to you going in, reading off a laundry list of what you want him to do, going through a bunch of motions, quoting a bunch of scriptures, and then feeling better about yourself because you spent some time praying. No, again, it's prayer within the context of fellowship. It's giving within the context of fellowship. It's serving within the context of fellowship. It's, it's um, you know, doing acts of kindness and service and ministry to other people, again, within the context of fellowship with God and fellowship with others. Amen? Okay. Now, listen to what Jesus said in John 17 and 3. And one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible on fellowship is John chapter 17. And he says this in verse number 3. He says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Weiss translation says that they might be having an experiential knowledge of you. And what the Weiss translation does and other, uh, what would be more like a literal translation of the Bible, is that it tries to use, um, to the best of its ability, English words and English tenses to more accurately communicate the words and the tenses in the Greek. And so this, this uh, that what we see in the King James, New King James, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. That word know doesn't just mean to know about, right? Remember, uh, some, some of you were here for this part. But we, you know, we, we talked several weeks ago about the difference about, you know, learning um, about somebody. You can learn about somebody and study them. You can learn from somebody and and you know, either directly them teach you something or you can read about their lives and learn from their life experiences. But then the, the gold standard, because it, it includes fellowship in the learning, is when Jesus invites us to learn of Him, to learn of Him. And the learning of Him is, is, is the experiential, uh, firsthand experiential learning from Him. And so this ties in then with John seventeen three that they may know you. And that's not just talking about knowing about Him, okay? But again, let's go back to the Weiss translation, that they might be having, so ongoing, continual, they might be having an experiential knowledge of you. That they might be having the experiential knowledge of you. And He says this is eternal life. Now, when we, when we hear eternal life, eternal life is kind of a catchphrase for everything that Jesus came to do for us and give to us. doesn't just mean, you know, living forever. As a matter of fact, the word life here is the word zoe, and it's speaking of something much greater than biological existence. He's talking about the life and nature of God. And, and, and to have the life and nature of God in overflowing abundance without end is what Jesus came to do for us. John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in overflowing abundance. You might have it more abundantly. He said that to people who had biological life, bios in the Greek, but they did not have zoe. Jesus said to people who are biologically alive, I've come to give you the life and nature of God in overflowing abundance without end. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I'm feeling compelled to do it. And so I'm going to obviously always do my best to be led by the Holy Spirit. 
I, I don't want to fish through my notes to find the, the actual verse, but in Second Peter chapter 1, it says that by the exceeding great and precious promises of God, speaking of the Word of God and speaking of our new birth, that we have become partakers of the divine nature of God. And that, and that word partake there means to have an equal share in. To have an equal share in. And again, that is, that is fellowship language. Because fellowship language is about um, you having uh, equality in these things. Let me, um, <clears throat> let, me, let me just get off the, away from the notes for a minute. I'm not going to go try to find all this, okay, but let me just say. There are two examples, main examples in Scripture, others that I think fall under these two categories, uh, for us to look to and understand um, fellowship in a, in a better way. And um, the first one is the body. And the Bible states the obvious that a single body has many members, many individual members, but one body that all work together. Okay? And so we are the body of Christ. We have oneness with God. We've been made one with Him. When Saul, we now know him as the Apostle Paul, when he was persecuting uh, the church, Jesus knocked him off his high horse and he says, why are you persecuting me? Okay. So the Bible teaches that we have positional oneness with God, meaning we are now bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That's what we see in Ephesians. In other words, it's not figurative, it's literal. It's literal. Okay? The, the other example we have in Scripture is that of marriage and what takes place between a man and a woman when they enter into a marriage covenant before God. The Bible says that they become one. God makes them one and unites them inwardly uh, in, their, in their spirits. And then, of course, um, the, uh, the intimacy, the physical intimacy in marriage is an outward expression of the inward reality of that, of that union. And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. But in Ephesians, he explains to us that marriage is an earthly example of the eternal heart of God for us to be one with Him. And so the same Bible that says you are the body of Christ also says that we have been joined to Christ, we have been married to Him, and that we are now the bride of Christ. And I know for maybe some men that makes them a little bit uncomfortable, but the idea, of course, of being the bride is that we've now become one with the groom, and in this uh, earthly example of a heavenly and eternal reality uh, is... Um, again, our becoming one with Jesus. Now, watch this, okay? There's a point on down in uh, my notes where we are explaining the difference between a personal relationship mindset that a lot of people have, even in their earthly marriages, but even more so, it's a personal relationship mindset in, in, in what they 
uh, now have with God as opposed to a oneness mindset. Now, here's, here's the amazing thing. And we'll come back and backfill some of this, but, but watch this. When I was born again, I was married to Christ. I became one with Him. And fellowship, if you understand what fellowship is and what fellowship means, and me being called into the same fellowship as Jesus with the Father. See, now that I have been made one with Jesus, and Jesus is one with the Father, the Scripture is very clear that I'm now one with the Father. Okay? So the point is this. Jesus did not share Himself with you. Personal relationship mindset maintains ownership and its highest standard is sharing. And you think, well, sharing's important. Yeah, I mean, we, we were taught to share when we were in kindergarten, okay? But Jesus didn't share Himself with you. He gave Himself for you and to you, okay? And that's, that, that's what happens with a marriage, there's a lot of people who are not really satisfied in their marriage because they've carried a personal relationship mindset into a fellowship union. See, in marriage, there's no more mine and yours and ours. In marriage, there's only ours. Now, when, when we don't understand that in the example, right, it hinders us in really embracing it in the eternal uh, reality that, in other words, we get, especially men, you know, we get this, this weird thing about being the bride of Christ. Listen, God decided we were the bride of Christ before there was ever this thing on earth called a man and a woman coming together as groom and, are you following what I'm saying? In other words, Ephesians makes that clear that what, that marriage is not like the heavenly reality. Um, heavenly reality is not like earthly marriage. Earthly marriage is like the heavenly reality. Okay, you still with me? A thousand years from now, when there's no more marrying and giving in marriage, we will still be the bride of Christ. All right? Now, if you can let the Holy Spirit help you get this part right here, it'll change your life forever. When I became the bride of Christ, everything that was mine became His, and everything that was His became mine. Are you seeing this now? Come on now. When I married him, or maybe I should say it this way, when he married me, okay? <laughs> Praise the name of the living God. When he married me, when he entered into blood covenant with me, what God has joined together, what God has joined together, when I entered into blood covenant with him and I accepted his offer, to be made one with Him, to be made a new creation, to become united together with Him, to be joined together with the Lord, and to become one spirit with Him. When, when I agreed to and accepted this invitation from Him, okay, everything that was mine became His, and everything that was His became mine. Okay? Now watch this. This is why... God is now our Father. Are you seeing this? When I pray to God, I, Jesus said, you pray after this manner, our Father who art in heaven. Why is Jesus' Father now 
my father too. Why is he now our father? It's because he was Jesus' father. I married Jesus. When I married Jesus, everything that was Jesus's became mine. Now he's our father. Jesus asked the father to give me and you a wedding gift. The Holy Spirit. He said, I will pray to the Father and ask Him to give you the Holy Spirit. Now, it's our Father and it's our Holy Spirit. You with me still? When I was born again and married to Christ, my citizenship changed. My name changed. My identity changed. I was born into a kingdom. And I am a citizen of that kingdom. But I'm not just a citizen of that kingdom. Because it was our Father's kingdom. And it's Father's good pleasure to give to me the kingdom. I'm quoting scriptures now. It's not just my Father's kingdom. It's our kingdom. I don't know if you're ready for all this. You ready for this? Are you hearing this now? So I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure about all that, Pastor Mark. See again, we're not sure about it because we try to figure out and rationalize and understand and relate to Jesus from a personal relationship mindset. And a personal relationship mindset is a lot of different things, a lot of incorrect things. In other words, it doesn't, it doesn't function. It doesn't, uh, uh, it doesn't equate, right? It won't compute when you start trying to understand fellowship mindset. Because fellowship mindset is a oneness mindset. Now here's the thing. You may not see yourself yet as being one with God. But I'm telling you right now, God sees you as one with Him. Amen. And He treats you as one. Alright, so watch this. Father, that they might know that you... Love them with the same love that you love me with. Wow. Wow. How is it that I now am am a recipient of the same love from God the Father that belonged exclusively to Jesus before the cross? Before how, how is that possible? I'm his bride. I'm one with him. Can I I take it one step further? (laughs) I got a lot of steps we're going to take, but let me just take one more, okay? Jesus said that if you don't have the son, you don't have the father either. Because me and my father are one. He says, you can't have my father without me. You can't have my father without me. See, all these people say, well, you know, I... I believe in the great spirit in the sky. I'm not sure about Jesus, you know, but I, I believe in God. I'm not sure about who Jesus you, you, you ain't got God the Father if you ain't got Jesus. But if you've got Jesus, then you've got the Father. And you've got me too. See, do you see how this works now? You've got me too. 
Just like my ring finger's got my pinky finger. See, now we swap back over to body. You are the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. Not figuratively, not metaphorically or whatever it is, a simile metaphor. I mean, I should have paid more attention in English class, but you understand where I'm coming from. Literally. Literally. Wow. Wow. Now, a, and this is, I'm going to just kind of set up where we're going to, I think where we're going to be next week, okay? A personal relationship mindset. Matter of fact, let me get, I can, I can do better if I just read this. Can you hang in here with me for just a minute or two longer? Ooh, that was weak. Okay, let me, I'll be quick. All right. Um, man, I got so many verses. And that's what we need. We need verses on this. So I don't want you to, amen. Um, there's a certain part though. Just stay with me here. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And here is a huge factor, okay? A personal relationship mindset is rooted in quid pro quo, which means this for that, okay? See, one of the, I'm going to go back to it. A personal relationship mindset says, okay, I'm in relationship with this person, but I'm going to maintain my rights, I'm going to maintain ownership over my stuff. I'm going to maintain my own agenda and my own plans. And then wherever me and this person I'm in relationship with, wherever we can find some common ground is where we will enjoy one another's company and, 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 and help and benefit, okay? But, you know, I'm going to keep what's mine and they're going to keep what's theirs and then we'll spend the rest of our lives figuring out what's ours. So again, the highest virtue one can aspire to, one can reach for with a personal relationship mindset is the virtue of sharing. I don't want to shock you, but God is not interested in a sharing relationship with you. Jesus didn't give all to you and for you so that you could respond by seeing where you could work Him in a few times a month into your schedule. It's not what He's interested in at all. Now, He loves you. Don't misunderstand me. He loves you. So this goes back to many call, few are chosen, right? What's the difference, in a, in a nutshell, the difference between called ecclesia, called out ones, the church of the called out ones, and the chosen, is chosen people are willing to have fellowship with God, union with God on His terms. Okay? So the highest virtue then is sharing. Remember, Jesus didn't come to share Himself with you. He came to give Himself to you. To give his life for you. 
When you're in fellowship with someone, you, you don't just you know, share a little bit with them when it's convenient. And watch this now, because this is, quid, this is quid pro quo. Quid pro quo is this for that. Literally, this is given because that's expected. Or here's one you might all relate to. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Now, because we, we, we have this personal relationship mindset with so many of the relationships that we have with people, okay? And remember, you know, you can have a relationship with a credit union. I mean, there's you know, all kinds of relationships. We've talked about what determines a relationship and the level of that relationship and the commitment and, and so forth and so on. And, I, and I'm not necessarily saying that, that relationships are negative or bad or what have you, but they're not fellowship. Fellowship's not about sharing some, it's about giving all. And we miss out on the benefits of fellowship with God because we maintain a personal relationship mindset with Him instead of a oneness mindset that goes along with oneness. That goes along with fellowship, I mean. So if a personal relationship mindset is is rooted in quid pro quo, in other words... So many people are trying to figure out what they can do for God to get Him in return to do something for them. Are you hearing me? And, and we think, well, okay, I'll, I'll do this for God. I don't really want to do it, but, it, you know, you've got to do it. You've got to pray. you got to spend some time in prayer. You've got to go to church. Go to church, the devil will get you. you, know, you know. So we have, this, we have this completely wrong mindset. It's because we have this, this mindset towards other relationships in our lives and, and we just translate it over to this quote-unquote, you know, supposed relationship with God. And God's standing there like, why are you trying to do a favor for me so I'll do a favor for you when I've already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness? Why are you trying to scratch my back so I'll scratch your back when I've already taken stripes on my back so that your back will never itch again? You see, I mean, we, we, we sit here trying this let's make a deal relationship with God. And God's like, are you, are you serious? You're, you're trying to manipulate me to give you something that I've already given you? And all I want is fellowship with you? So that you'll understand what I've already done for you, what I've already said about you, what I've already said to you, and what I've already freely given you? Trying to work some angle. And God's up there like... That ain't ever going to work. Stand with me. Praise God. Anybody want to take a guess of the, the opposite of quid pro quo, this, expecting that? The opposite of that. We'll get into it a little more next week perhaps. But a, one, a oneness mindset. So personal relationship mindset is rooted in quid pro quo, which means this for that. Okay. A oneness mindset is rooted in pro bono. Which simply means for good. It's Latin for good. Right? For good. Praise God. Praise God. Ominous pro zillow. Everything for nothing. There you go, brother. Just everything. He gave us everything. Died for us while we were yet sinners. With no guarantee that we would ever even look his way a second time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you realize now we're leveling up. Yes. See, this is different. This is different. This, this isn't uh, 
traditional religious, um, you know, three points in a poem, let's all go home and be, feel better about ourselves because we came to church. No. What does God want for you more than anything else? What does he want from you more than anything else? Fellowship. Fellowship. So you get in right fellowship with God, everything else in your life will make sense. You get in fellowship with God and rarely, if ever, will you not know what to do when you're facing a choice, a decision, a situation. And if you don't, it won't take you long to find out. See, what people do, they want to they share a little bit of their life with God until they need Him. And then they start trying to make deals with Him. God, if you'll just help me out of this jam, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. I was like, I've already given you freely. You don't have to do this. Amen. All right, you've got it already. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your truth. Father, thank you for teaching us from your holy word and your Holy Spirit, your heart and desire for fellowship with us, the same fellowship that you've enjoyed with Jesus for all of eternity. And then, Lord, there came that fateful day when you created the heavens and the earth, planted a garden in Edom, in Eden, made uh, all the uh, things that you made and put in that garden and then created us. Put us all in Adam and put Adam and Eve in that garden. Comparable to you so that we could be compatible with you. Thank you, Lord, for stirring us. Thank you, for Holy Spirit, for prompting us and correcting us and and, and tapping us on the shoulders of our hearts when we think personal relationship, when we should be thinking fellowship, for thinking the personal relationship mindset when we instead need a oneness mindset. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here. Know that you're loved. I did not announce this, but of course we'll be enjoying communion together on Sunday, first Sunday in August. Love to see you on Sunday. You have a wonderful, wonderful week. Praise God.